You're listening to Delinta Coaches Connect podcast. This podcast features the diverse perspective of a thriving global community of coaches, leaders, and experts sharing their captivating stories, journeys, expert advice, and more. Welcome to Delinta Coaches Connect. I'm your host, Nicole Jones, and let's get started. Today's guest, we have Diane Bailey Boulay, who's an executive and mental fitness coach and is an associate certified coach through the International Coach Federation. Welcome. How are you? Hi, Nicole. Thank you. Great. Welcome. You're welcome. So Diane believes lasting positive change is an inside game. She partners with clients to create opportunities for self-authoring as they clarify their values and step into the future of new possibilities. With a whole person approach, she helps clients grow insights and mental muscle so they can expand their happiness and create clear paths to highest achievement and peak performance. Her purpose is to be a champion of opportunity for all. Diane is trained at the graduate level in evidence-based coaching, applying grounded knowledge and theory to support client decision-making. She brings 20 plus years of career experience in diversity, equity, inclusion. She brings leadership development, communication consulting, business development, nonprofit fundraising, and adult learning facilitation. Additionally, as a business writing coach, she's helped smart people make how they write an asset that builds relationships and drives action. And recently she's written her first book, Poverty to Possibility, Snapshots from a Yorkshire Boyhood. So I want to hear all about this. You have some good nuggets in this opening. So I'm so glad that you're here today, Diane. Um, I want to hear a lot more. I know that you and I have spoken, um, you know, pretty regularly. We met through a coaching um I guess it was a course that we took together, right? It was was a course that we took together and we just enjoyed each other's time when we were doing labs. And so I'm so grateful that you're here today um, sharing your story. So with that, share a little bit about yourself. Like how did you get into coaching? Um, It's interesting. I think that it was something that was gradually um, occurring to me that it was just how I'm sort of wired. I just love to take an interest in growing people um, and growing myself. And I remember actually the first time I ever heard of something like the International Coach Federation, for example, was probably 20 years ago. I had a newborn at the time and I saw this organization and um, thought, oh, that's really interesting. Like it just really called to me, but I didn't Mm -hmm. act on it then. There's like too much going on, right? So, um, but then I've done things like strength finders and all these different sort of assessments. And what always seemed to emerge was connector and coach. That is just sort yeah. of teacher, connector, coach. And, I, and so um, finally got to a point where I was like, I really need to understand because people would tell me that that was how I showed up in situations, but I wasn't really sure what I was doing. Like, what what are they noticing about me? So it was really... Mm-hmm. Uh, when I decided to step more intentionally into that and to, you know, do some real uh, study around that and uh, develop my skills and and go from there. So it's been one of those things where it's probably always been there, but now it's like, it's intentional. And I understand a lot more of what's going on in a coaching interaction. Awesome. And, you know, many coaches have an aha moment. They know when they are like, all right, I'm going into coaching. You would talked about that lovely word being intentional. 
Um, when did you so decide that, you know what, this is my moment, I'm going to go into coaching? Yeah. Um, so I was working in a corporate environment and um, was part of actually quite transparently part of what they like to call a reduction in force. And yep. I could apply for another role in the organization, but it was just that moment where I was like, you know what, this is the time I've been thinking about this, talking about this, taking no action on this. Um, and this is that moment where I'm going to step into my future and it's a future that I'm going to shape that has nothing to do with headcount and other organizational <laughs> priorities. Um, and so that was really the moment when I said, okay, this is going to be how I move forward. Yeah. And, you know, we, you, you were in corporate for quite some time. You have a lot of experience. Uh, so you shift your transition into coaching and did you ever have that moment of, Oh no, what did I just do? <laughs> there's no one helping me. There's no IT. There's no, like, did yeah. you ever have that moment of like, was oh, yes. this the right decision? It, it's daily. Um, <laughs> um, but it doesn't stop me. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I think every day you, you kind of question, am I on the right path? It's not, a, mm -hmm. it's not always obvious. Like what's that next step, but you just take a next step. Yeah. And what I realize is that, you, you know, it's that notion of stacking small wins. Every day you get up and do something in the direction of what you care about and want to do, you're incrementally gaining, you know, you're gaining progress there. Um, so for me, yeah, it's, I don't, I, I love every minute of the coaching experience. You're right. Um, I am my own IT person. Uh, it, the back end of it is like a part. I was like, oh wow, I'm just like, you know, this is this is this is a this is a journey, you know. Right, um, right. But I also felt like, you know, when I decided to do this, it wasn't simply like randomly. I'm going to become a coach. I had built a foundation. I've mm -hmm. been a sales executive. I've done business development. I've done client management. So I had all that. Um, I've worked in corporate settings with leaders and, and teams, um, and I've done fundraising. I've done a lot of different things. So I felt like, you know, I've actually built this amazing sort of foundation to just say, I can take this next step. I don't know the answers to everything. I don't know how to do everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would actually say what's been exciting for me just quickly is that I feel like I'm growing as much, if not more than ever in my life. And for me, that's exciting. Well, that's awesome. If you're growing more than ever in your life, um, you know, as I was listening to everything that you were saying and hearing all of your experience and also seeing what type of coach you are, um, you know, there's so many coaches out there, so many different titles, so many different hats that coaches wear, but I was very interested. I don't think I knew that you had this part of your title. I thought it was more of an executive business coach, but business writing. But the mental fitness coach aspect mm -hmm. is something that I want to dig into a little bit more to kind of give our listeners an understanding as to what is that and what are you doing with your clients? Sure. So mental fitness is, you know, if you think about it in terms of metaphor, it's like we go to the gym and we build muscle. Mm -hmm. um, and mental fitness is about noticing and being aware of our minds um, and how can we actually build sort of more of the... Um, kind of stamina and awareness and behaviors in our own minds uh, so that we can shift from those things that tell us to try to talk us out of the things that we're, you know, we're meant to do in life um, and that help us improve our relationship, not only with ourselves, our own self-talk and mm -hmm. our, how we frame situations, 
um, but equally and um, important in every relationship we have. Um, so mental fitness is about becoming aware of uh, behaviors that aren't serving us well, um, mm -hmm. that are, you could call them assassins, self-assassins. Um, yes. And we all have them, right? And right. Um, and then it's like, how do you, you're never going to totally get rid of all that because the human brain is the way it is, but you can definitely weaken weaken it and grow the muscle that helps you get new neural pathways, new ways of thinking, new self-awareness, and new ways to actually respond in situations that have maybe often been challenging for you or where your relationships haven't been what you want them to be. And some of that you know, is on you. So that part of it that you can um, shape and form and can, uh, I, I, I sort of hesitate to say control, but that part that you, you can influence mental fitness is really starting to equip yourself with the insights, tools and actual practices to, mm -hmm. to really up that the odds that you're going to have a far more positive day, moment, outcome, etc. Wow. So is it safe to say that um, during COVID, people have been reaching out to you around a little bit of the mental fitness coaching? <laughs> I think what's really important is that um, this time has pushed us all in ways we have not, you know, we, we, it's, it's that sort of moment where you go, okay. And I actually would say um, I'm, I'm fairly early in my practice around mental fitness as part of my coaching. Um, uh -huh. And I needed it as much as anyone else. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just when we think about coaching, one of the most important things I really, really take seriously is that the coach is an instrument and just like a, a, you know, like a great piano or violin and everything, it needs constant attention and care and tuning. So right. starting on myself was a really important step. And then, yes, I do include um, that either informally in coaching, I'll share concepts around mental fitness with people. Or I do actually have, um, you know, uh, a program that I'm associated with where I can share, you know, actual and experience a sort of, uh, you know, people like to use the term boot camp, but, um, you know, really del delve into what does this mental fitness model look like and how can you um, act from that. Um, so I think the most important thing is COVID has really laid bare everything that, that we where we feel most vulnerable and where we are most challenged. Um, and it's interesting, I don't wanna to go too far down this path, but you know, coming back from the board meeting I was just at uh, for a nonprofit that works with youth, um, the, you know, the, the incidence of, of, of stress and tension and things in families definitely mm -hmm. was up for many people during this past year and a half. And so the need is, is the need is there. It's always been there. And I think it's laying bare the fact that we, we have an opportunity instead of, you know, not looking so much at a pathology, but say we have a real opportunity to seize this moment and say, what is the, as, as difficult and painful as it has been in many aspects, what is the gift and opportunity that, that we have right now? What are we aware of that either we were ignoring before, or we simply just didn't, you know, we were so busy, we didn't notice. Correct. And I think COVID has kind of tapped into so many people around that vulnerability of being able to kind of step back and say, okay, wait, uh, yeah. what am I missing? What am I doing? Because I just think I have to do it, right? People have had to kind of step back and take a good look at themselves and say, you know, what do I want to change? And we're seeing so many different things occurring with people and how they're dealing with change. And so it's very, very interesting 
um, what you're doing, the work that you're doing in coaching and how that's actually very beneficial to people that are obviously going through COVID, but just also in general, um, you know, people that are in corporate and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I love that. Thank you so much for that explanation around that. Um, but, you know, more importantly, I'm excited. We've seen so many change, so much change throughout this, you know, last year and a half to two years. I can't believe it's already been that long with, with dealing with this pandemic. Um, but your, your, your bulk of your background is, has really been, as I was reading through, you know, all the things that you've done and, and achievements has really been the passion around diversity, uh, equity, inclusion. And I would love to hear a little bit more about, how that's played into your practice or how that's played into, you know, the boards and different things or committees that you sit on? Sure. Um, well, it's, there's a lot of sort of facets to my diversity, equity, inclusion experience and journey. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it's kind of multifaceted. Um, I am the daughter of immigrants. Um, I, my father grew up in uh, absolute poverty in England. Uh, mm -hmm. during the Great Depression, World War II. And my parents, interestingly, having lived through World War II, um, came out of that teaching us certain values about human beings and respect for all people. Um, and then I grew up, um, we've talked about this before, I grew up in um, just outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. For most of my life, I've lived there. Um, and I, it was unusual and I had a couple of neighbors who were black who were absolute micro minorities in that community. And I watched some of the things that occurred to them. And I also watched the fact that I, one of the little girls who lived next door to me, I said, why don't you come to school with me to the local public school? Um, and she went to a, a, a private school and there's a whole backstory to that. But I realized now as an adult that she, her, her parents were not gonna put her in a situation or the, the, the kids in that family in a situation where they were going to be the only um, mm -hmm. ones. And um, so I watched some things going on, you know, growing up in the 60s and 70s. I'll just put it out there. That's when I grew up. Um, it's okay. It was the civil rights era. It was busing. And, you know, you observe all this and, you know, there's a, and my father was a doctor and we started traveling to one of the Caribbean islands as a kid and you know vacation it's all great but one of the most important experiences of that was he had a, a patient who was black and who would always invite us to come and visit on the island and see their family and spend time mm -hmm. with their family so for me it was like I got totally this experience to be with people that were otherwise being you know we were being essentially segregated from each other based on you know real estate policy and all these things. And, and, and um, so I got to spend time with people and say, these are not the people that people say they are. They are so amazing. They're so loving. I, I love them. They became family to me. Um, and then just growing up, um, ex you know, more and more experiences, going back to England where my family is from and visiting my very beloved aunties, um, but who would say really terribly racist things about people from, from uh, India and Pakistan who had settled near them. And I just knew that wasn't okay. So mm -hmm. that was all sort of tucked around in my experience. Um, and then you can't unfortunately help growing up in a culture that has these problems um, here or there. 
to not be impacted by them as much as you may say, oh, I don't have that. You know, I'm not that way. I don't think like that. Um, right. Because it does touch you no matter what. Um, and I'll tell you just really transparently, my very first job out of college was at a radio station. And one day my boss said, oh, we have two, a sales candidate coming in. Would you go down and greet this person down in the reception area? And I went down the hall and there were two men dressed in suits. One was white dressed in a suit. One was black dressed in a suit. And I, I, I went up to the two. I approached the white man. I stuck my hand out to welcome him to the interview. And in that split moment, I realized, oh my God, what did I just do? And so you have this mental model of, of who's a salesperson, who's this, who, you mm -hmm. know, who gets to be this role? Who gets, and I just, I was 22 years old and I just, I was so ashamed actually and horrified by what I had just done. Um, and so it was, again, it was just a, the sudden realization of like, I am, I think I'm, I'm, you know, I think I, I, I've got this straight. I think I'm, I'm good at on this. And then you realize there are things that I'm walking around with that I've absorbed as, as reality right. um, that aren't. So um, anyway, it, it was just, so it's, I think it's just when you live long enough and when you have enough opportunity to meet people from all different situations, all backgrounds in life, all experiences, um, all ethnicities, everything, gender, all of it. You, if, if you're paying attention, you you realize that you know this. There's a huge opportunity to this, and it's and it, we shouldn't be keeping people in different places based on very superficial, um, you know, attributes. So um, ultimately. You know, just kind of carry this all around. I ended up working in a boarding school that was founded as an opportunity school um, mm -hmm. for children from economically um, under, you know, disadvantaged backgrounds. Um, so, you know, life just kept putting things in my way to help me understand and learn. Um, yeah. And to question myself and to say, what are my assumptions here? Um, and also what are my privileges? And I believe privilege can be used honorably. Um, there, I do have privilege and I also believe it is absolutely knowing that I can use it honorably. Um, yeah. So just becoming more and more over the, the course of my life, a, a voice and a um, accomplice and an ally, I guess I would say is kind of yeah. how I look at it. But this was never a formal part of my sort of work in a sense, it was just my life. Um, it just kind of, you just kind of happened upon it, right? Like I, yeah, your life, your, your life was building, you were part of your life. And then all of a sudden these experiences, these potential opportunities came your way. And it just so happens that it was under the umbrella that kind of worked with how you were growing up and how you started seeing like what it may feel like to be othered or what it may feel like to not be included in something. And yeah. so it seems like that kind of just shaped, um, your perspective of, you know what, I want to be able to do good work over here. I want yeah. all people to, as you said, um, you want all people to, you want a champion of all people for opportunity, basically. And yeah. it sounds like that's kind of how you've had this umbrella or this mission to move yourself forward in life. Is that a fair way of it looking is. at it? Yeah. And as I hear that and reflect on it, there is this other part, which is, you know, I, I mentioned earlier on that the, the coach is the instrument, right? Um, right. Self-care. I am a female. <laughs> I've experienced the workplace in a very different way than right. 
than a man. Um, I mean, right. I, I would even say that my first job out of college, I had the, you know, I had done really well academically. I was like ready. To, this was, you know, I'm ready to have, I'm going to have a, a career. Like I was the first woman in my family to, to say, I'm going to have a career. I'm going to go to the workplace and this is going to be, you know, this is, I'm, we're going to go get it. Um, and unfortunately, in my early years of my career, I had a couple of really disturbing, inappropriate um, experiences based on gender. Mm -hmm. So um, again, you, you know, what are your own experiences and then kind of paying attention? How are other people experiencing this situation too? And what are the rules and who's, who's getting ahead, who's winning and why? Uh, you know, mm -hmm. so all those things. Um, you know, clearly form my perspective. Um, and, and to the point where I still am involved, I have been actively involved in um, Women's Leadership Foundation that focuses on the acceleration of the advancement of women uh, to really, you know, benefit organizations and the society. Yeah, yeah. So there's all these pieces to it. Um, That's I, very, I mean, but it's a very, very unique um, upbringing, very unique uh, experiences that you've gone through that has really shaped you know, who you are. And through that, you know, what is, what was one of the biggest learnings that you've had? Um, you know, when you look back in your life and you are where you are now, and you're this amazing coach and you got your ACC certification, like what is the biggest learning that you've had? Um, it's interesting. I'm getting ready to talk about this at a conference in two weeks. So it's top of mind, you know, talent is, um, everywhere. It's equally distributed and opportunity is not. And that's not original to me. That's Leila Jana said that many years ago. But what I've become really aware of is that there is talent everywhere. Right. Um, and so I'm always excited to look for and find where is the diamond that just needs polishing. The diamond in the rough, we're all at different, you know, different ways that kind of diamond in the rough. Um, so for me, maybe that's it. I'm always kind of really interested in connecting with people around what, you know, what are they, who are they, what do they, what, what do they want to be and, and what's the sort of kind of gap to, that you can close together, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's sharing one thought with someone. Um, I think it's really important to notice people and notice something about them that they may or may not know. Um, and say something about it, something positive that's going to help them maybe actually have the courage to take a next step in the direction, um, whether it's a direction they've already thought of or a direction where they've never actually seen themselves in that in that way before. And that's a beautiful thing when people are able to see themselves in a way they've never they've never seen. It's an, an awesome aha moment for a client or even for a person that you're just meeting at an event when they're just like, wow, I've I don't think I ever thought about that or either perspective or, or specifically speaking for themselves. Um, you know, we coach all types of people who have had all different, um, back, you know, backgrounds and in coaching your clients, what is one of the most amazing things you have learned about yourself? I've learned, um, to trust that my instincts on people are pretty good. Tell me more about that. Um, you know, one of the things you have to do as a coach is not feel like you have to be the expert. 
You have mm-hmm. to let go of this idea that you are the expert. You're not, you're there in a, a partnership and, and you, you know, we, we, you know, a dance with someone and they're trying to figure out how they're going to do their next step, if you will. And you're there to kind of do it with them. Um, and I've realized that I don't have to um, come in knowing everything about this person, but what's fun and what's I think mo- ultimately most rewarding is when you can start to help uh, together, you know, at, be in this relationship with them where it's um, someone uh, wrote about this in a coaching uh, article I read a w- about a year ago, and it was this idea of Trinity space. So it's not one plus one equals two, it's one plus one equals three. It's a third space that is being co-created um, that didn't maybe exist without the presence of the, the, the two people in that situation. And so for me, I think what I've learned about myself is that I really get um, excited about that sort of opportunity to, to be with someone in a coaching context and create that third space of opportunity. Yeah, that's interesting, the whole Trinity, um, because it's that energy that kind of develops as you're talking um, amongst yourselves. So that's very interesting. And also, um, you know, the cool thing about coaching, when I asked you the question about, you know, what is something that you've learned about yourself is, you know, coaching, basically any conversation that you have, you know, there's a teacher and a student. And I think sometimes people don't realize that even as coaches, as we're sitting there partnering and, and kind of being the accountability for a client, um, we're also learning in that moment. There are some profound things that clients can share that you're like, whoa, that was deep, right? (laughs) So there's a moment where you step back, like when you are done with your client and you kind of debrief how your session was, there are some interesting nuggets that can kind of come up for you that, that make you be like, hmm, hmm. Yeah. That was kind of, that was kind of cool. Yeah. And I think that's what's neat about it is as much as there's that coaching session that, you know, dedicated time, after that coaching session and before, you're just always kind of thinking somewhere in the back. It's like a little app going in my coach brain that's always thinking about that conversation and what that person said and what they're interested in and where they want to be. And like, you know, you're out on your walk getting some fresh air and you're thinking about that. It's sort of like, you know, when you go on vacation and you get your best ideas kind of like yes. walking on the beach. But yes. I, I feel I have a similar experience of that when I'm coaching, uh, which is that um, it's not just the conversation in that moment, although that's really powerful. Of course it is. Um, but what happens before and after that continuing sort of processing of what has occurred um, and, and then seeing even a new possibility about what, what that next coaching conversation can be. Yeah. And, um, you know, the other thing that I, we haven't really spent much time talking about, but I think it would be beneficial for you to share, um, is it's hard for all of us to do everything as entrepreneurs. We are, you know, trying to have a a home, you know, we're dealing with home life. Some of us may have kids. Some of us may have had to teach during COVID. There's so many things that we're going through if we are working for ourselves as a business and not coaching internally somewhere, um, so I kind of wonder, like, how do you do it all? Like, how do you keep yourself, you know, motivated? How do you keep yeah. yourself healthy? Like, what are some tips or things that you can share with us around some kind of like self-care? Yeah. So I do take the mental fitness piece seriously. and I have a daily practice around that. Mm-hmm. Um, even before every coaching session, this actually coaches do this, um, 
I have mental fitness preparation before a coaching session and it's self-care. It's, it's listening to some music that I know just really helps me kind of get into that place. That's yeah. You're place. able to center a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And I, I have, I, I walk a lot. I walk every day, um, four or five miles just to walk. I, actually would say quite honestly I, I i've been not going to the gym as much as i like because of covid um mm-hmm. although i am ready to do that again um and, and just yeah so that the physical fitness you know they go together it's like you how you feel physically and mentally is going to impact how you how you do it you know you think about athletes and how they um you know have it's constant self-care it's not just the game on the field once a week they're they're always doing that um, and you know, I actually, and of course, I I have coaches of my own. I I really need that to get to where I want to go next, and to stay focused and to stay um, energized about it. Because there are, you know, there's there's always something. You know, it's like you're figuring out some technology thing. You're figuring out your health insurance. You're fig- <laughs> you're always figuring something out. And and so you need to have those. Um, sort of anchors, I guess, or maybe they're the sales um, to help you keep moving. Yeah. And uh, one quick thing, what would you tell, um, what advice would you give to a coach who may be feeling like, this is just, this is just too much. I don't, I just don't know if I can do all of this. Any advice for them? Mm. Dig deeper into what, where that's coming from and Mm -hmm. ask yourself, how complex does it have to be? Is there something you can let go of that still allows you to do this, this work? Yeah. Um, if, you know, for me, the complexity is, is the biggest challenge. And I personally have a tendency to have lots of interests. Um, I, I heard this recently, it's a term called multi-passionate. And I'm like, yeah, oh shoot, that's me. But, you know, that's, you know, I, it would be really easy if the only thing I wanted to think about all day long was this one thing, but it isn't. And so, I would just say really get very clear about um, where are you spending your time? What are you spending it on? Um, and even what can you delegate to someone else? I mean, there's so many great things, you know, and it, and it depends on where you are in your practice and your income. So I'm really aware of that, but also having virtual assistant take on certain things, mm-hmm. using some of the tools that make it easier to schedule. I mean, good Lord, I love Calendly, for example, not, not paid for that, by the way. Um, but I love it because, you know, you just think about how much back and forth there used to be to just schedule a, a meeting. Right. You can like, send a link to someone and they're like in your calendar, right? So yeah. I, I bring that up really to say, you know, think about what can you automate for yourself and spend less time on. Yeah. Um, and, and also, I do think that, you know, ask yourself, what are you doing around your self-care? Because honestly, it has to be from you have to be able to coach from a place of overflow, not depletion. Mm-hmm. So really paying attention to that. Yeah. So that's very helpful because if you are over the overflow and you already feel overwhelmed, you're not going to be present for your mm-hmm. clients. And that's going to be, it's kind of challenging, right? They're coming to you for that safe space. Yeah. Um, but if you're already struggling, that's, that's going to be even more challenging for you. Yeah. So as we start uh, closing down our podcast, I do want to talk briefly about the most amazing thing that I think recently has happened for you. And you've, you've written your first book. I have. Tell us, oh, a, tell us a little snippet about that before we right. go. This is a product plug. This time. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Look at that cute child on the cover. Um, this is the story of my father's life in a, 
Yorkshire, England coal mining community during the Great Depression, 1930s through World War II. Yeah. Um, and it's about uh, really how the story of what, you know, what was in this very difficult childhood and the how did something extraordinary happen from the foundation of, of that sort of crucible, if you will. Um, he went from, um, he was the first, he was the first member of my family of that generation to actually finish what we would call, you know, the, the 18 school till 18 years old, a high school education, a grammar school education. Um, he went on to medical school, which was unheard of for a kid from his background. And in fact, even into even today in Britain, only 4% of, of doctors come from the British working classes. Um, and so he was a micro, micro exception, you know, back then. Um, and he had a couple of, you know, so it, there's this whole thing about the innate talents and gifts someone has in their own ambition and drive. And that's all absolutely essential. And the story is equally about the people who at very pivotal moments in his life um, helped him see the way to the next way forward. And maybe that really sums up my own coaching as well as like, wherever you're coming from, you know, what is it that, how, what do you need to get to that next thing that's going to get you where you want to go? Um, in any I case, I, I, yeah. <laughs> so, I yeah, I'm inspired by it. So I wrote it, um, I wrote it because, well, he was my first hero. He died of cancer, uh, too young, mm -hmm. um, in 2003. And I went back to England to his village for the first time in 04. And, um, I really, I tracked down his childhood friends, fa distant family members who knew him and just tried to unearth what was the story of this child? How did this happen? Mm -hmm. um, he came to the US, he ended up um, at a Harvard teaching hospital and teaching a generation of Harvard medical school students, uh, radiology. And then at, at 52, he joined the US Navy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and led a department, radiology department for their naval hospital. So he had this incredible life from from you know a background that would have suggested that none of this was possible. Well, that is awesome. And where can people find your book? It's well, it's available easily on Amazon as a paperback or Kindle um, ebook, and you can order it from booksellers, you know, all all over. I've seen it. Um, it's it's available on you know Barnes and Nobles. Uh, I've seen it. So it's up there. They people can Google global. and they can find Absolutely. it, and it's yeah. out there. It's in That's 16 awesome. countries, and uh, yeah, it's really awesome. Fun. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Diane, we're going to come to a close. It has been such a pleasure and honor to speak with you today. There are definitely some nuggets that I did not know about you, and I look forward to having many more conversations with you, my friend. Nicole, Take care. Okay. <laughs> Take care. And thanks for joining us today on Delinta yeah. Coaches Connect podcast. Thank See you, you so soon. much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion. Make sure to follow us to catch more episodes of the Coaches Connect podcast.